Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Hear these words with me. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Let us pray. Oh Lord, as we come to this time of hearing your preached word, we pray that you give us eyes to see anew, ears to hear fresh, a heart to be warmed, and a spirit to be transformed, so that we may not leave this place ever the same. Amen. There seems to be an ever-increasing chasm between the haves and the have-nots. We don't need to look too far or hard to notice the disparities in terms of economic capital. And yet, for as many of us who try to bridge this gap and circulate information and read reports in the newspapers or see it on the news about how this economic inequality gap keeps growing, there seems to just be a general lack of care for those who have in terms of those who have not. All around us we see and recognize those who could and probably would benefit from just the smallest of change and would change from the smallest of benefits and care from those who have the means to do so. And Jesus in our text this morning recognizes that there are those who love and value money, their wealth, more than they love and value their neighbor, whether the neighbor is far away or right at their doorstep. 
And so for the next few moments this morning, let us explore just a little bit about this great chasm that we see within our world. As we enter into our text this morning, we find ourselves immediately at the start of the parable. Jesus is in the middle of his teachings, of course, with Pharisees in the crowd looking and listening. And some of them, as the text tells us just a few verses before, love money, like love money. And so I implore you to keep that in mind as we hear the story, this familiar story, once more. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every single day. And at his gate, we find a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores. Now Lazarus longed to satisfy his hunger with something of lavish quality like the rich man, but would be content and satisfied with what merely fell from the rich man's table. The crumbs of the rich, of course, is all that the poor seem to find in their hands. And Lazarus, he was such an outcast, such that even the dogs would come and lick his sores. And so, over some period of time that has passed, the poor man dies. And Jesus says that Lazarus was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham, the patriarch of the Jewish faith. His death probably wasn't even noticed by the rich man as he continued to go about his days passing in and out of the gate. And probably not too much time later, the rich man also dies. In sharp contrast to Lazarus, the rich man was properly buried according to the ritualistic traditions and customs of his Jewish faith. Yet instead of being carried away by the angels, he finds himself tormented in Hades. And so the divide that happened and left is inverted and highlighted in their deaths. The rich man recognizes the reversal of face that has taken place when he looks up through this cosmic divide and makes an appeal to Father Abraham way off in the distance. Please, please, I just have one request. If you could, can you just have pity on me just this one time? I'm so hot and my tongue cannot take the heat of this place. Can you send help? I remember this poor guy sitting outside my gate and I see him, I see him in your bosom. Can you send him down to cool my tongue? I just need a simple drop of water. It is in death that the rich man finally recognizes and acknowledges the one who sat at his gate, the same one being comforted and tended to by the bosom of Abraham. In essence, it is in death that the rich man finally sees the man that had sat at his gate, this man that he had passed by so many times. And his sight only intensifies his agony 
as the one that he was blind to is being comforted by the angels. And as the text continues, Abraham sees his son and perhaps in a tone of disappointment responds to his agonizing request. Son, let me tell you something that is definitely a hot pill to swallow. In life, you lived a life of luxury and material wealth, and you threw money at the finest of delicacies. In life, you paid for anything and everything that you wanted and spared no expense to ensure that you lived your best life. And not once, not once, did you see this poor man Lazarus who was at your own gate. You didn't see anyone who had less than you, and your own self-indulgence and self-satisfaction reigned supreme rather than the words that you knew in the scriptures. And so now what was your satisfaction in life is now his satisfaction in death. And the agony that he experienced in life, you now experience. And on top of all that, there is this great chasm between the two afterlives. Whether a physical one or spiritual one, this divide is clear and distinct. And what's interesting that sometimes gets overlooked is that in this description that Jesus gives us, there are those who are with Father Abraham who wish to cross this chasm and help out those who are where the rich man is, but they are unable to do so. But as the rich man begins his response, there might be some hope yet. Perhaps again thinking about his own predicament, or perhaps recognizing the finitude of his own fate, his mind shifts to his family. I don't want this reality for them. Wait, Father Abraham, if I can't be helped, then what about them? Can Lazarus go to them? I've got five brothers, perhaps one of them saw him at my gate. Maybe he can help them see that their lifestyles, our lifestyle, will lead them to torment. And so you may be wondering, what about these five brothers? We get the notion from the words of the rich men that they too live lavish lifestyles and probably feast just as scrumptiously as he did. We hear in his words that the five brothers live in a summer lifestyle, basking in their wealth and having no care or concern for those with less than what they have. Perhaps self-satisfaction and personal attention runs in the family. But maybe, just maybe, the line of thinking of this tormented rich man is that if someone, anyone, can reach out to them and tell them to listen to Moses, tell them to listen to the prophets, and change their lifestyle, perhaps they can, and they would indeed change. 
Or perhaps one of the brothers may have already been thinking that his lifestyle is not beneficial to those other than himself. And maybe the death of his brother was a reality check for him. The ending of the parable begins in verse 29 with a brief shift back into a conversation about this present moment. In response to the rich man's request to warn his brothers, Abraham informs the man that just like he had in life, these five brothers do have Moses, and they do have the prophets, and their words to listen to and live by. They too know what they were supposed to do. Just like the rich man, they were taught the lessons of the ages. They were taught to care for their neighbor. They were taught to care for the orphan, the widow, the oppressed, the poor amongst you. They were taught to show compassion for those who are marginalized and oppressed. For they too were once oppressed and marginalized in their history. Now, after hearing all of that, imagine that you are die-hard you hearing these words, or this entire parable in Mass. Or imagine if you are one of those who Jesus said in the crowd was a lover of money. And hearing these words, and potentially being met with the reality that even the most religious aren't exempt from torment, if they do not live out the teachings and instructions that they were taught and that they were raised up in. You Pharisees, just like those rich in the story, you know and have been brought up in the teachings of Moses, in the teachings of the prophets. You too know what is to be done and how the least and marginalized among you are to be treated. So what does this mean for us, hearing these words in the present day? Certainly if Jesus was alive today, he wouldn't have to retell this parable at all, right? Or would he be screaming it from the rooftops and preaching it from pulpits right alongside others who understand that this is still happening as we gather here for worship? As I mentioned briefly last week, we are called to reach out and help the most vulnerable among us, the ones most impacted and affected by those who use their power and influence to create more chasms between the people that they lead. The more that we are aware of the beggars at our own gates, at the end of our driveways, as we travel to and from where we go throughout our days, the more we can bridge this invisible boundary that society has built between the haves and the have-nots. But we can do more than just be aware of them. Jesus calls us to see them, and see them in relation to our own lifestyles. You may remember the story of the Good Samaritan. It's nothing to simply see but we must be doers as well. Now I'm not saying, of course, that we should all 
turn into minimalists and live lives of simplicity, but we should not allow material wealth to reign supreme over personal capital. We should not place more value in one another than we do in our most valuable of possessions. As the old adage goes, we can't take our stuff with us. But what we do take, I believe, in the depths of our spirits is how we treated one another. How we treated the most vulnerable and the least among us. The poor and oppressed within our midst. And so can this great chasm be closed? Perhaps. Maybe one day off in the distance. But as we can see, it doesn't seem like it's getting any closed. But that is our challenge. That is our task as we prepare ourselves to gather around the table in a week's time. We are called to work within the crowds and between the cracks to make sure as a circle draws wide, those with less have the same spot and places at the table and within the circle as those who have assigned themselves seats there. And so as I take my seat, may we continue to work to fill this great chasm that we see among us with the love of God and our love for one another. And may we embody perhaps just a little bit of the five brothers warning in the story for today. We have Moses and we have the prophets. But we also have Jesus, the one who was crucified, buried, and indeed rose from the dead. May we listen to their words and do what they have commanded. We too have been warned. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for hearing your words that you would have for us this morning and the challenge that you have brought forth to us. Lord, we pray that this message and these words warn and transform our hearts and change our spirits so that we may not leave this place ever the same. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.